Welcome to Sleepless in St. Canard, where nostalgia places REM cycles. I'm Kitty. And I'm Ange. And we haven't slept in 30 years. This is a podcast about the 90s Disney cartoon Darkwing Duck, and of course, the 2023 comics of the same name from Dynamite. Which I hope today's issue will be Dynamite, because it's got our number one lady, Morgana Macabre, in it, which we always appreciate. In case you've missed it, we here at Sleepless in St. Canard are big fans of his ghoulish gal pal, the eternally reforming Morgana Macabre, as Darkwing's tall drink of witch's brew who got a bit of an uneven characterization in the show. So I'm curious to see how this uh, issue goes. Uh, Why don't you tell me all about this newest issue, Ange, after whatever lovely little updates you want to give the peoples. Yes, I wanted to highlight a Tad Stone's interview that I'm very uh, surprised that this interview kind of went under the radar because apparently it was posted back in January. And it maybe only has 200 views. And it's a pretty in-depth interview. Tad just kind of, I don't know, he just was very open. I personally found it to be really interesting just hearing him talk about full detail about how he got into working at Disney, how he started as an in-betweener. And he kind of moves through a bit of history of the show and stuff that I didn't know. For example, do you remember the DuckTales episode, The Masked Mallard? I think it was called. Yes. He apparently never even saw that when they worked on Darkwing. So he he's like, I'm not sure why people think that was an inspiration or Darkwing was inspired by that because he apparently at the time had never seen that episode. So I thought that was interesting. But one thing that Tad did bring up that I thought was super interesting was he talked about the Darkwing Duck reboot because he's a consultant on the reboot and... I'll just paraphrase if you really want to hear the whole thing. I'm going to put a link to this interview in our show notes like I usually do for stuff like this. But basically, he mentioned that he's a consultant, but a consultant simply means that they give him the script, they have him look over it, and he'll give them suggestions. They don't necessarily have to follow them. He was surprisingly open about it, and he mentioned that the initial script that came to him had some good stuff. Uh, He said Seth Rogen seemed to really care about doing it justice and there was a few other things, but basically it was interesting. It it sounds like the wheels are in motion, but Tad said he hadn't heard from them in a while in terms of like doing consulting stuff for them. So I thought that was pretty neat because it does tell us that, you know, there is still the possibility of a reboot. I say still a possibility because I have witnessed shows make it all the way to production and then they'll just say, no, never mind. We're just going to cancel this. Scrap it. Yeah, they'll scrap stuff, even stuff that's almost finished. Yeah. That happened with uh, that Nimona movie when, uh, wasn't what was it, Blue Sky, I think it was, got bought out. And then they axed the movie. I think it was only like a few months away from being finished. And recently they announced that I think they managed to find a different place to help finish it. And they are going to release it, which is really great. And I'm happy to hear that. But it happens. They're like an entire like Batgirl or Batwoman. I forget which Batlady it was. I think it It was was a whole show. They just scrapped it at the last second, like right when it was supposed to be like done. Yeah, I don't understand. People were saying stuff about taxes and I don't really know. But as someone who's worked in the industry, even for a short time, I have witnessed firsthand just, you know, you're going to go work on this show. Okay. And then suddenly, uh, actually, the show doesn't exist anymore. Sorry. The fickleness (laughs) of the industry. Yeah, and it's just, and we are in a recession right now. And 
it's really rough right now in the animation industry for jobs. So I still think that there is still a chance that they could pull the reboot. They could say, no, never mind. Or they could put it on the back burner for a little while. I mean, the Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers movie was in development hell for like a decade. So I thought it was interesting that Tad was sharing a little bit of details that tells us that they are still thinking about a reboot and there are kind of trying to put something together, but there's still no guarantee at this point that we will get a reboot or anytime soon. It's a tiny, tiny little peek behind the curtain from Tad Stones. Yeah, so go listen to that interview. There was a whole bunch of stuff. In fact, he even talks a little bit about Morgana and Darkwing and their relationship, which I think is a nice way to segue into uh, Real issue. quick, though, who, who did the interview? It is called Tadstone's Interview, and it's by a YouTuber named Traversing the Stars. Mm. So there will be a link in the description for this episode, so you can go check it out yourself. Yeah, it's only got 203 views, which is not many views. So I was that's why I was surprised. I'm like, wow, this is a it's like an hour long interview. I think it's one hour and nine minutes. <laughs> is it a video too or is it just audio? It's a video. Oh, cool. Excellent. Yeah, so go check that out. See what uh what Tad Stones is up to. Aaron his deets as well as his NDAs will allow. <laughs> it's true. So I ruined your beautiful segue. We were talking about the magnificent Morgana oh, and yes. her uneven representation. Well, that was actually one of the things he mentioned was he said that Justice Justice Ducks makes him cringe because of how Morgana's personality was written in that episode in particular. And he said that he didn't like that she was so uh, meek and mm. insecure which makes sense because, you know, I remember the beginning of the episode. Oh, I hope he still likes me. And, you know, she's very. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting that he said that that wasn't what he wanted for her. Good to know. And uh, I guess now we'll see how she's handled by yet another writer. Yes. Issue three of Dynamite Darkwing Duck. And I have opinions and thoughts and many things about this issue. And I know you are for sure, Kitty, going to have some opinions. Oh, no. Not <laughs> should, I prep, should I prep a table for flipping? <laughs> I don't think personally there's nothing in there that I think is so bad that like it's table flipping. But there's a few mm -hmm. things that um, what I would consider to be inconsistencies with characterization, but also not enough to be terrible. You'll see what I mean when I walk you through this. You're going to pick up on this stuff immediately because it's just not super consistent with what we know of Darkwing, but it's not necessarily bad either, in my opinion. Gotcha. It's just different. Okay. And I have uh, lots of pictures for you. As usual, I guess I'll start with talking about the art. I thought the artwork was really good in this one. If there was anything that was referenced, I didn't notice it. It just seemed more Drake throughout the entire issue. So he isn't Darkwing, but... The style looks more original, like it's more the artist's actual style as opposed to sticking too close to model sheets or trying to stay on model with Darkwing. And I think it looks really good. The best way I could describe it is it reminds me of the Topolino Italian Disney Duck comics. And yeah, gotcha. That makes sense, actually, because I'm pretty sure the artist Carlo Loro, pretty sure he's an Italian artist. And I'm pretty sure he's worked on Italian comics, so that makes complete sense. So the artwork overall, I thought it was very cute. I especially loved how Morgana looked. 
And Kitty, you already know this because I sent you like a whole bunch of out of context <laughs> screenshots of just her. And I'm like, look at her, mm-hmm. look at her. She's so adorable. So I, I do like how she turned out because I'm very picky about how mm-hmm. Morgana looks in even in the, the show itself. There's episodes where I think she looks really pretty and other episodes where she's kind of off model. And I'm like, no, I don't like that. So <laughs> you did it wrong. Yeah, and it's weird because it's not even like you have to go that far off model for me to be somehow bugged by it. The way he drew her, I thought it was cute, but uh, she's got some cake on her. (laughs) (laughs) In the years since uh, the show has got a dump truck. (laughs) I can't complain. It's just, I did notice that. Yeah, I guess we'll we'll get into this story. I'll talk about my thoughts on the characterization and stuff at the end, because uh, I feel like it'll be a whole thing that we can discuss. I don't think this issue has an official name. Like the last one oh, didn't Yeah, have the last one. one didn't either. So we actually start off in St. Canard with a gardener whose name is apparently Earl, because he has a name tag that says Earl on it. He's working away in the garden and a little sprout, little vines spread out of the ground. He looks at it and he says, oh, well, that's odd. All of a sudden, something very green and fast moves past him. And then we see him looking up at something very large and there's a shadow eclipsing him and he's horrified. And he says, no, oh, no, please, no. Basically like the start of a horror movie. You reminded me of Troll 2. Oh my god! <laughs> so next, uh, we're at Mayor Owlson, who's in her office at her desk, and a guy bursts through the door and says, Mayor Owlson, all the gardeners from the St. Canard City Park have vanished. She says, oh no, Howard, is it a strike? He says, no, we don't know where they've gone. Is Howard a duck? No. <sighs> Continue. <laughs> I feel like that would almost be too obvious. It would. But I don't see these images yet, so I was hoping. He holds up Earl's gardening suspenders and he says, this is all that's left, which leaves me to believe that Earl, I guess, is naked wherever he's gone to. Or his pants are just down. Mayor Allison says, poor Earl, he must be so cold. (laughs) I mean, she's not wrong, but... She's not. The priorities. (laughs) I mean, he was taken by something. He must be really cold without his clothing. Mm -hmm. So she says, there must be only one person we can call. And then we see her on top of a a roof and basically doing the Batman thing with like the Batman floodlight. What do you call it? The bat signal. The bat signal. She's in a trench coat and she's got the signal up and it's got Darkwing's silhouette in the signal which i think it would be kind of funny if every time they put up a signal it would accidentally get smudged or something and call gizmo ducking every single time yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or darkwing would just show up because the gizmo signal was smudged and he'd show up just in time to watch somebody like washing it off and see that it was gizmo duck yes but in this case she's just waiting and she's been stood up because the sun sets and she says where is darkwing duck she's just tapping her foot impatiently I will send you a picture of this imagery because I do think the art is very pretty. There you go. Tap, tap. A little bit of a Carmen Sandiego thing going on. Yeah. I really like the style too. Like the the background and everything is very Mm -hmm. nice. 
I mean, we could talk forever about how Darkwing really isn't Batman, but I'll allow it. I think it's fine. I would like to pitch a different idea to the universe where Darkwing gave them a Darkwing signal, but it's just like a little flashlight that everybody keeps forgetting they have. They're just like using it as a coffee table and it's got like permanent coffee stains on it. That checks out. <laughs> He's like, I haven't even used the signal. And they're like, the what? He's like, what you're leaning on? Everybody knows my second love of Darkwing Duck. Well, I guess third is Darkwing never getting any appreciation or respect at all. The first one being Herb Muddlefoot, the second one probably being Morgana. But I digress. This is not my comic book. Continue. So we get to Darkwing and Goslin, and they are camping out in the woods of Transylvania. I'm not quite sure how they got there. I mean, I guess Morgana does have a door in her house, so they could have gone that way because they don't have Launchpad. Launchpad left. <laughs> he said, uh, later, losers. They're out in the middle of the woods, in the middle of nowhere, and uh, Drake starts with, I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the rain that dampens the firewood, snuffing out the dying embers of evil. I am Drake Mallard, inventor extraordinaire. And we see, I don't even know what to describe it. It's like a robot of some sort that looks like it's putting up the tent for them. I actually will send you a picture of this too, because I don't know how to describe it to you any better. But Goslin says, I thought you gave up being Darkwing Duck to protect me. How is camping alone in the wilderness of Transylvania any safer? And you know what, Goslin? That's a really good point. <laughs> She's got you there. I also want to just... Is Darkwing an inventor? That's what we're going to get into with this issue when I said that there was stuff you're going to pick up on in terms of characterization. Because they mentioned it in the last one, at least, where he was like, oh, I don't, I don't pay the bills with my inventions. It's like, because mm, I'm pretty sure he just buys all his stuff from Shush or something. Yeah, so that's that's one of the things that I feel like uh, was a characterization thing that this inventor thing is going to be relevant to the rest of the issue. Like it's not okay. just a one-off. I guess maybe a little bit because he had like the whole chemistry set thing and he would like make his own gas canisters and stuff like that. So a little bit, but yeah, it's... He, he wasn't like a gyro gear loose. No, like the way I see it is it was one of those characteristics that technically was there, but it was never pushed to the front of our consciousness as something that defines him. Because I mean, when you think about the spinning chairs and the gas gun and the kitchen set up with the, the kitchen obstacle course, you know, always forget the milk. Mm -hmm. Somebody had to build that and it probably wasn't Shush. It was probably him. So he probably to some extent can, but he's never really defined himself as such. Mm -hmm. And like you yeah. said, he buys a lot of stuff from Shush because he's lazy. Mm -hmm. He he <laughs> likes his gadgets. Like he liked ordering stuff from Shush and getting all excited. A lot of the plots usually started out with him ordering something dangerous from Shush and then it goes wrong and gives them a bunch of grief for the rest of the episode. So yeah, uh, a lazy inventor who also just likes to buy from catalogs. Yes, let me show you this this picture of this thing. Oh, it like tank treads. Oh, he reminds me of something. Apart from like the obvious gizmo duck. But he kind of reminds me of... Oh man, there was two Sonic cartoons in the 90s. There's oh. the one that I watched. 
<laughs> that was really goofy. And then there was the one that was super serious with like the story and everything. But there was like the little green drill nosed guy. He oh. kind of looks like him. Oh, I know it. It was Scratch and something else were their names. I don't. I remember the rooster guy just used to laugh like <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I liked him. I love how you describe it as the goofy one and the serious one, because that very much was the definition of both of those series. As I recall, though, chili cheese dogs did play in heavily in both, so. Yes, but you're right. He, Sonic serious. It might have been Grounder, Scratch and Grounder. I uh, My Sonic Could, glorious. Grinder, maybe? I don't know, but that's, uh, <laughs> that's a little different now. <laughs> I don't know. That's fine. But that's who he reminds me of. He's got like that same kind of body type with the noodley kind of arms things. And he does look very nervous. Yes. And I guess he should be because they're camping on Transylvania grounds. So Darkwing is trying to light the fire and he says, well, to be honest, Gauze, when I said we could meet Morgana while she was away visiting her family, I kind of forgot Launchpad left with the thunder quack. Ouch. Ouch, Launchpad. I mean, granted, he's the only one who knows how to fly it, but you just took the man's vehicle that looks like his face? Yes. You gotta repurpose it? Oh my god, imagine if he just starts, like, becoming, like, an Uber driver, and it's just covered in, like, all the decals so that people pay him? Well, you're about to find out. Oh, okay. (laughs) It's coming. Not that, exactly, but it's coming. All right. Because Darkwing looks up at the moon, and there's the silhouette of the thunderquack above them. And he says, ah, the thunderquack. It feels like I can see it now. He's like, wait, I can see it now. And we see the thunderquack is descending and sitting atop the bill of, I guess that's what you call it, the front bill of the thunderquack. Riding it like a horse is Moloculo Macabre. Yeah, what? You nailed this, man. I did. <laughs> it makes no sense, but you and, and Moloculo. Take a chill pill, man. What are you? What is happening? I think it looks great. It looks so funny. <laughs> he's just, and he's just coming straight for drink. <laughs> it's so funny i don't know why it's just i never expected it but i'm kind of glad it happened because it's just i don't know (laughs) launchpad being like you should probably sit inside and molecular be like no i want everyone to see me it's true so launchpad waves and he says hey is that you dw or i mean dm it's gonna take a while to get used to the whole drake mallard thing and Drake says, what are you doing here? And why is Moloculo Macabre riding the Thunderquack? And Moloculo says, well, if it isn't Morgana's terrible taste in duck, you're looking more normal than usual. And Drake says, thank you. <laughs> Goslin whispers, uh, I don't think that was a compliment, Dad, which it was not, obviously. And then Moloculo says, well, it seems someone in the family has brains. Which, of course, gets Drake steaming. And he says, if you weren't Morgana's father, dot, dot, dot. And then <laughs> Moloculo just launches himself at Drake like a, I don't know, like a monster, I guess. And says, you mm. what? And I also have pages from this because you have to see Moloculo just riding this baby. Lose his mind. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yippee-ki-yay. <laughs> No! What? 
happening. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, he seems like the type that would have like a noble horse or something that he likes riding around to look important. So I think this is his version of that. <laughs> oh my god. Launchpads are chauffeur. But Moloculo's like, nah, I'll ride outside. Thanks. <laughs> Maybe it's like hoarded up with like fast food garbage and stuff in there. Moloculo's like, nah, I'm good actually. I'll sit outside. Launchpad's been living in the Thunderquack. Yeah, Moloculo is just straight up like Dragon Ball Z flying at Drake. <laughs> oh, the art is really good though. Yes, it is. It is very good. And I can see what you're saying about the uh the Topolinos art style it's nice like the the smarmy drake being like thank you especially has a, a bit of a gladstone feel to it which i appreciate yeah i guess uh you were right i uh, figured this out so <laughs> <laughs> somehow he snaps his fingers moloculo that is snaps his fingers and says minion get rid of these trespassers and launchpad lands the thunder quack and picks up Drake and Goslin by the scruffs like they're misbehaving cats who try to interrupt you during a podcast. The nerve. <laughs> the nerve. And he says, sorry, DM, but this is private property. So technically, and then Drake says, Launchpad, what is this? Why are you listening to Moloculo and not me, your oldest, dearest, and best-looking friend? And Launchpad says, well, when you gave up the hero game, I needed a new sidekick gig. I want to guess like how he would have found Moloculo specifically because I feel like that's like a pretty far way from St. Kennard. And I want to mm -hmm. imagine that maybe Launchpad ran into Morgana and like was talking to her about it and lamenting it. And maybe Morgana was like, oh, well, you know, uh, maybe my dad could use somebody like, you know, trying to help a friend out kind of thing. Moloculo just papered like every telephone pole in St. Kennard being like looking for a minion. And Launchpad's like, oh, that's kind of like a, a sidekick. <laughs> kind of is. Like, tears off Moloculo's, like, crystal ball number at the bottom. Did Launchpad safely land the Thunderquack? Yes, I think he kind of did. Must be magic afoot. Drake is motioning at Moloculo, and he says, but he's evil. And Launchpad says, don't go judging people by their looks. Moloculo is trying to clean up things around here. He's doing a great job for all of monster kind. And Moloculus says, yes, monster kind. Now please get these normals out of here. And Drake isn't having any of this, so he removes himself. He says, I can remove myself, thank you. And he storms off into the forest. And he says, he's lucky I didn't bring my cape. The inhumanity, the indignity. And Goslin interrupts him and says, we did technically set a fire in his backyard. And Drake says, whose side are you on? Goslin being the voice of reason, as usual. As is her, yeah, as is her role. Despite being kicked off the grounds, Drake says, absolutely not. And he proceeds to set up camp once again in the forest and starts another fire because I, I, I could see that. Drake, Drake isn't going to let the old man tell him what to do. Yeah, probably build an effigy of Moloculo to burn. Yeah, that would be beautiful. So Goslin says, seriously, Dad, again? And Drake says, we're not leaving until I see Morgana. And fire keeps the werewolves at bay, I think. He starts the fire. They get the, the marshmallows out. And he says, but this will be fun. Just some good old-fashioned father-daughter bonding. And Goslin says, I like the kicking bad guy butts together bonding better. And then they hear, ooh. 
and a ghost appears. No! You didn't tell me this was a scary one. Well, it started out like a horror movie. Mm. This is true. So the ghost is flying around, and Goslin's happy. She says, finally, things get interesting. So straddling the thunderquack wasn't interesting enough for her? <laughs> I guess but not. But anyway, I see her point. Ghosts are pretty interesting. They are. She's being so friendly. She says, do you want one? Wait, can the undead even eat s'mores? And <laughs> Drake says, Goslin, do not offer sweets to ghosts. It's like feeding the local wildlife, I guess. <laughs> yes. There's signs about it everywhere. Do, Do not, not feed the paranormal pests. It will cause a overpopulation of ectoplasm. <laughs> this gets everywhere. Goslin bites into her marshmallow and says, It's not like a little sugar is going to kill him. He's already dead. <laughs> and Drake just stands in front of her to protect her and says, You stay away from her. Darkwing Duck may be retired, but I still have... Um... And he looks over at his suitcase. He runs over to it, I guess, because he packed something in there that he needs. He starts digging through it and he says, I still have way more sweater vests than is needed for one overnight trip, to be honest. Or ever. Or ever. And this! And he whips out his gas gun, but it looks like it's been modified to kind of looks like the Ghostbusters, where, you know, like the little backpack mm -hmm. thingy, the proton the backpack. proton pack. Yeah, and it's connected up to his gas gun, which has been modified, and Goslin says, your gas gun? So he holds it up and he says, well, okay, I retired Darkwing, but I'm still an inventor, and this does have a reverse electronic energy pulse setting, which should theoretically trap this ghost inside. I hope. And so he fires it at the ghost, and... To the credit of the writer, it fails phenomenally, which is if Drake is going to invent stuff and make it look really flashy, I think it is funny if the stuff doesn't work as it should. Adios, thing cutter. Exactly. So instead, he ends up inside the ghost. Oh. <laughs> like he's just in its belly and the ghost is really looking upset about this. The little sound effects. Beom. And so Drake is inside the ghost and he says, ah, and Goslin says, uh, dad, I don't think that's how it's supposed to work. And he says, you don't say I've heard of being possessed by a ghost, but never possessing a ghost. And then we hear someone off panel. Oh, dark. What are you doing? And he's very embarrassed. And he said, I didn't mean for you to see me like this being forward by a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't say that uh. last part. <laughs> So we all were thinking it. <laughs> uh, and you've seen this panel, Kitty, because it was the one from the preview that I showed you where she's floating down and the moon is behind her and she's looking very graceful. Show me again. Okay. I demand it. Okay. There you go. Ah, there she is. She's looking very beautiful. Oh, yeah. And she's got eek. You can squeak with her. One of them with their tongue out as is tradition. Mm -hmm. I like the, the composition with the moon behind her and everything. It's very pretty. Yeah, it's very nice. It's got like a nice gradient going on. Pretty. He says, and I'm uh, using Drake mostly at the moment, Morgana. And she says, when I said I wanted you to come out here and get to know my family better, I didn't mean so intimately. Because the ghost is, you know, mm. he is in that ghost. Yeah, he's all up in there. He is all up in there. So she does her little wiggle wiggle with her fingers. And the sound effect is morgzap. Morgzap, actually. Morgzap. 
And she says, I am terribly sorry about this cousin, Jordy. And she manages to separate the two with a ducka split. So Darkwing comes flying out of the ghost and mooshes into the ground. And he says, hi, Morgana, I just... And then she interrupts him and says, thought you'd ensure my family would all hate you forever. Just hope daddy doesn't hear about this. And he says, well, actually, I have a proposal for you. The P word. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's not at all what she suspects. Not in the least. So, of course, he says proposal. And she says, a proposal? And she grabs him to give him a hug. And he says, well, not that kind of proposal. And she drops him on the ground and walks away dramatically, which is very Morgana. And he says, uh, well, it's not not that kind of proposal either. I've hung up my cape. I want to settle down and raise Goslin in a nice, quiet life. And Goslin has her arms crossed. And she says, nobody asked me. She's very mad about this. I will show you the art for this one because I thought it was also very cute. <laughs> she just chucks him on the ground. I could just see it in my head of her walking away dramatically with her hand in the air. Like, oh. Yes. <laughs> oh, well. Blue-eyed Goslin. Anyway, it's very, it's very cute. Yeah. And it looks so nice, which is wonderful. They all look good. Yeah, they do. Ganna says, so you want me to leave Macabre Manor and live like the normals do in your suburban house? And Drake says, that's the plan? And she shrugs and says, sounds like fun. (laughs) Then she comes up close and she strokes his bill with her finger and says, as long as you still wear the cape for me sometimes, it makes you look so handsome. Meow. And Drake- Goslin, cover your eyes. (laughs) Drake uh, is steaming, literally. And he says, I'm sure that could be arranged. And Goslin is very disgusted. He says, oh, brother. (laughs) I can't not show you Thirsty Drake. <laughs> oh, yeah, there he is. Boiling. I like her little, sounds like fun. Why not? Yeah, yeah, well, sure. She's just going Let's along Let's do it. Me. We're back on Avian Way. That was easy. <laughs> that was easy. was just like, where'd they go off to? Oh, well, wait a second. Where's my daughter? I get the feeling that the two storylines are going to converge because Launchpad has to come back at some point, probably soon, probably by the next issue. And for him to get back, I would assume that Moloculo might want to come back, maybe because Morgana left without saying anything. Yeah, talk some sense into his daughter. I was a little sad that we didn't get to see more of Moloculo and Launchpad because I think that is a funny setup. But there's only 22 pages to this comic. And I realized that, like, you can't fit all that into the plot. But I do have a feeling we're going to see them again. Also, Molocula hiring a normal uh, to drive him around is a little funny. He hates normal so much. He does. But I guess I could see him treating one as a minion. Mm, That's true. He's egoring for Molocula. And Launchpad is such an easygoing guy. I feel like if there was any normal that... Someone like Moloculo probably wouldn't hate. It would be either Herb Muddlefoot, just to annoy Drake, or mm. Launchpad. Yeah, and I mean, Drake could be really mean to Launchpad, so I feel like anything that Moloculo throws at Launchpad is probably, you know, just a regular Tuesday for him. Yeah, exactly. And I think they'd probably pay him in food, and I think Launchpad would happily eat whatever they feed him. Yeah, I don't remember. I know he was really freaked out by the whole family. 
did he liked Morgana's food more Malice's restaurant? Yes. The only one who didn't okay. who didn't like the food was Drake, but Launchpad said it was I recall him being one of the people that said it's pretty great and you should try it. And Drake, I think, is the one who says, I need to be here to call poison control or something like that. It's been a while <laughs> since I watched the episode, but I remember Launchpad did love that the sounds food. Sounds about right. Pretty much yeah. everybody but Drake didn't like the food. That seems to be uh yeah, yeah. Noted. All right, so we're back at Avian Way. It is truly domestic because Goslin runs into the kitchen and says, what's for breakfast? And Morgana is at the stove wearing a little apron and she says, ghoul ash. And Goslin says, oh, never mind. Drake walks in and says, Morgana, darling, don't worry about the cooking. I've got it all under control. You know my motto, stay sharp, stay fit, stay fed. And he hits the little timer from mm. Darkly Dawns the Duck to bring out the mm-hmm. uh, the kitchen chaos. But I also want to show you this page because I thought Morgana looked very cute with her little apron. <laughs> Can you tell I'm very Morgana focused in this? I'm just like, oh yeah, she looks I, cute. I am glad that you are feasting. Oh yeah, look at her little apron. It's not the apron that Herb awarded her though. No. That would be some continuity right there. She has that one behind glass because it's yeah. treasured forever. <laughs> Yeah, airtight. Oh, and he could squeak, stir in the pot. Yeah, it's really cute. <laughs> I think the sound effect there is bat stir. <laughs> the classic kitchen happens. A bunch of stuff pops out of the uh, the drawers and he catches them. And it looks like Goslin and him are both well-trained and versed in this by now. So Goslin takes a seat and he... I, it's hard to describe action, but it's basically like the scene from Darkly Dawns the Duck. He grabs the cereal as it's shot out of a gun. And Goslin's all ready to eat. Morgana says, cereal, really? My goulash has actual protein. And Drake says, oh, the protein is coming. <laughs> okay, Drake. Okay. Oh, it's the eggs that come next. Uh. Which I still don't know how that works in a world of avian people. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm. Let's not think on that one. As we sit here in uncomfortable (laughs) silence thinking about it. (laughs) Let's not dwell on that. Moving on. Sure is fun. A giant flame pops out of the the oven like an uber foosh, which is pretty hardcore. And Morgana's looking at this and, you know, the whole kitchen set up. And she says, so this is the new safer suburban life. (laughs) And Goslin says, oh, this is the way I have breakfast every morning. And Morgana says, fine, have your breakfast in your own traditional way. You can squeak and I will start working on the cookies for the bake sale. Goslin perks up and says, you're running the bake sale. And she says, who better than a world-class businesswoman to raise funds for the school? Goslin says, maybe someone who won't cook spiders. Archie pops out of Morgana's hair. He's clearly insulted and horrified. He says, blah. I also feel like Goslin would be totally fine with feeding spider cookies to people. This is another characterization thing. I see you picked mm. up on it. See, I'm wondering if you'll catch on and you've caught everything so far. Mm. Just Archie pops out and looks pretty horrified. And Morgana says, I heard that and I would never. Archie is like family to me. These are scorpion sting flavored cookies anyways. And Goslin says, I just lost my appetite. She's like Morgana's biggest fan. 
Yeah, that was the one inconsistency that I, when I was talking about characterization, I'm like, okay, I mean, it's not the worst, but it's not consistent with Goslin. Yeah. So the doorbell rings. <gasps> I was wondering how many pages it was going to take. Well, it is a muddlefoot, but not the muddlefoot you're hoping for. It's a little I honker. will take any muddlefoot. Of course it's honker. Because they're getting Hello, honker. Goslin opens the door and says, hey, honker, let's get out of here before anything else weird happens. And Honker says, anything else? What? And then they're interrupted by Morgana, who says, Goslin, dear, don't forget your lunch. She hands it to Goslin, who doesn't seem too pleased, and says, I miss the good old days. And she says, oh, I forgot to pack you a dessert. And she wiggles her fingers and accidentally zaps little Honker. <laughs> no! And he turns into pudding. Oh, Honker. But he looks funny. He's, hang on, I definitely took a picture for this because like, you needed to see jello honker honker oh no oh he's a little gloopy boy that's pretty consistent though with morgana accidentally turning people into pudding so yeah Rosalind used to be all about that i think what makes it funnier though is that she just leaves with honker they just leave him that way <laughs> she just grabs his little gloopy arm and grabs drags him along I thought that was kind of cute, though, because it's just like, oh, whatever, we'll we'll just leave. We'll deal with this later. So Honker's just like... Honker will never pass his math test like this. I'm sure he will. He could. He will. A thousand percent. He might just leave a bit of mess on his cheek. Yeah, he'll just write with his little chocolate arm. His chocolate It'll be a delicious arm. test. It's <laughs> ah, great. It's her, like, three days to realize that Honker is a pudding boy. He probably accidentally almost tried to eat him, and then Binky would be the one to be like, do not eat our son. That is rude. <laughs> so this is very uh, Drake. He has a giant painting of Darkwing on the mantle, and uh, I'll show you that too, because I think it's funny. I like laying on a bearskin rut. No. Well, no. He's just leaning. So Morgana asks if he misses being him. And Drake says, I'll always be the most fearsome hero St. Canard has ever seen. And then he says, I have just a few small mementos of some of my greatest moments. And of course, a few small mementos is an entire room. Some of it looks like it's his own stuff he might have made himself or maybe commissioned. And I just noticed there's a painting in the bottom left. And I feel like it's a reference to something like uh, maybe like a Tad Stone's piece of artwork because it looks like the final pop figure. Yeah! <laughs> Just like a super muscular Darkwing. And a little, yeah, a little Funko Pop like a boy. I think it's a shelf. Oh, you're right. It is, I think, a shelf. Standing on a shelf. Right by Morgana's bodacious booty. <laughs> I always thought that if Darkwing commissioned artwork of himself, it would be one of those super muscular humanoids. Yeah. <laughs> athletic versions of himself that you see in fan art sometimes that would be him like a romance novel cover but with drake's head on it yeah i could see that and morgana says oh just a very few you know in that playful sarcastic way can you show me the, the full picture yes yes i can you want to see what other strange things are in there i'm just yeah yeah oh it's a balloon it's a pretty modest collection all things considered i was kind of imagining like the like trophy room from a hulk comic called future and perfect 
George Perez drew, which is like an alternate timeline thing where an older Hulk just like kills all you know, everybody and has all their remnants in this room. Oh no. I'm going to show it to you. No, it's not quite sprawling as this. I like how there's a Hulk in the back that says, Oh, my lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the the Hulk from like our time. It's like a time travel thing or, you know, wibbly wobbly Marvel rules. I guess he just killed everybody. Cool, 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 cool. Well, fortunately, Drake probably didn't kill everybody, just Bud Flood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just the people he originally killed. Would be funny if he had the broomstick in there. <laughs> Just like in a corner for safekeeping. He's reminiscing and he has some paintings. He says, I was the terror who flapped in the night. I put the Just in Justice Ducks and also the ice and also the duck. I was the hero who was brave enough to fight against a well-balanced diet. I really did fight a lot of vegetation, huh? And just to give context to that, because there are pictures of Bushroot that he's punching in the face when he says that, makes sense. Here oh, he is yeah. punching some broccoli. <laughs> he sure is. He did fight mm -hmm. against a well-balanced diet of broccoli and Bushroots. He also did fight that potato. He did. Whatever her name was. Uh, Posey, I want to say. Sounds right. Yeah. He has uh, a painting of Dark Warrior Duck. And Morgana's looking at it. And she says, what about that one over there? And he says, Dark Warrior Duck, you have no idea how hard it is to have a portrait made from an alternate timeline. And I imagine that it would have been Goslin that would have had to describe Dark Warrior to whoever yeah. painted it. Or Quacker Jack and Megafold just being very like, oh, well, that other you is cooler. Now he's got a picture to remind him. Yeah, how much cooler he would be if Goslin was dead. <laughs> womp womp. <laughs> Drake leaves the trophy room and he says, And now I am the hero who helps at the elementary school community garden. I've got at least 15 time-saving devices as long as none of the kids touch them. And he's got, I guess, I don't know what they are. They kind of look like toasters or... Some sort of electronic devices that he's putting in a suitcase while Morgana watches him. He kisses her on the cheek and he says, See, we can be as normal as the Muddlefoot family. And Drake, the Muddlefoot family was never normal. You know this. <laughs> Let's be real here. They're extraordinary. But I do think that Drake, it's kind of in line with the fact that Drake is a little weirdo in denial. And <laughs> I really do think that on several points he does try to put on the appearance of being normal and trying to be normal and he just i don't even think he knows what normal is so no not even slightly not even slightly because he's like i want us to be a normal family he says to the sorceress who was formerly <laughs> a supervillain. so and then he's like i'm gonna work at the community garden and you're gonna make cookies for the bake sale it's not working out so great for either of them, but I think that's, mm. I feel like that's part of the narrative, which I will discuss at the end of the issue. He walks out the door and it says very soon after the phone's ringing and Morgana picks it up and she says, hello, already, but he just left. 
So we see Morgana is at the school where the principal, and it's actually the principal from the show that we've seen a couple times when Drake goes to the school when Goslin has gotten in trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Morgana says, and you can't get suspended as an adult volunteer, can you? <laughs> and Drake is <laughs> sitting in a chair looking very ashamed. And the principal says, we'd like an essay on why untested inventions are not for school projects. And Drake, <laughs> Drake storms out and says, I can't believe I have homework. I'm 35, dot, 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 ish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah, give or take. I feel like Drake is the kind of dude that would always undersell his age, too. Yeah, so exactly. So he's probably older. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I mean, canically, I think Chad said late 30s, so probably about 37, 38 years old. So 35-ish. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. Morgana and the principal are just kind of looking mildly concerned at him saying this, which, to be fair, <laughs> that is very Drake. And so Morgana and Drake leave the school, and as soon as their backs are turned, the entire school is engulfed in vines. But similar to the vines at the beginning of the story that attacked Earl, the gardener. Mm -hmm. And the, I believe the sound effects are vine creep and creepy vine Ooh. creep. And then we see, we see the kids. And what looks like Pirate Steven has made a return cameo and he's being attacked in the school. Some other character who I suspect is probably a cameo for somebody, but I don't know who is saying, where's Darkwing Duck? He'll save us. And then Goslin is being grabbed by the vines and she says, I'm afraid he's not coming, but without Darkwing Duck, we're all doomed. And Honker is screaming, it's Bushroot. And I have to show you very specifically the Honker because he made A me laugh. A little pudding Honker. <laughs> it made me laugh so hard. I, was just, I don't know why I found this so funny. It's like another Honker reaction gif, basically. <laughs> <laughs> oh no poor little pudding boy he's he's so distressed he's got little pudding gloves flying off him oh so good and that's the end that says to be continued oh really okay yeah it's well only... at least left me with a new uh you know avatar for a while yes yes i i had a feeling but it's only 23 pages long, which seems to be kind of standard for these comics. But mm. uh, it went by pretty fast. Do you see Bushroot in this last panel or is it just... Um, I don't see him. I think Conker's just assuming because of who else is it going to be, like with the vines and stuff like that. Mm. Also, I did look closely to see if there are any more of those mysterious silhouetted... Shadowy blobs. Yeah, shadowy figures. And I didn't see one in this issue, as far as I can tell. Okay. Watch it just be like a grape jelly stain and we're all <laughs> getting excited about nothing. Time to talk about various things that you brought up. So I think the only thing that I found particularly off that has any significance to me was just Goslin not being terribly happy with Morgana's food and having her around. Because mm -hmm. Goslin is by her nature, she's always thought Morgana and the monster family and that was just the coolest. So yeah. I think she'd be more excited about that. The invention thing is interesting, as we already brought up, because it is technically something I think he's capable of. It just was never a defined trait of his. 
Yeah, it seemed like he was more like a, a chemist, leaned more toward that part of the sciencey stuff, but could could you know slap some things together. But he always seemed like too self involved to really spend that much time doing anything. Like he got annoyed that the uh, hover quack took nine hours to build, which I feel like if you're an inventor, nine hours is not much. But it's fine. It's good. It gives him something to do. Otherwise, I feel like he'd just be terribly depressed and mooning around, draped across the, the couches. I don't know about him being a gardener, but uh, I feel like he would think he would be a good gardener, so I'm not I'm not going to dismiss that entirely. He thinks he's great at everything. Yeah, I mean, he did try to be Mr. Fix-It with the beautiful... The original ball. Mr. Fix-It, yeah. Didn't even know what a three-quarter-inch picnic flange was. What a noob. What, a, what an idiot. A fool. Fool! So it's interesting that they went all the way to Transylvania. Yeah, I guess because they could have technically brought Maloculo to them just through maybe he's visiting Morgana at the time. But mm -hmm. for whatever reason, they I guess it was just to get closer to, you know, the freakiness of Macabre Castle. For Darkwing to be inside a ghost. Yes, <laughs> to be vored by a ghost. A poor ghost. But yeah, so stuff I like about this. I felt like the first two issues were pretty standard in terms of plot. You know, they, they followed the formula of the show where you, the villain shows up, Darkwing fights the villain, and then the villain's defeated. And I thought this was a little more interesting in that it's veering off track from the show into something that fans have talked about in the past, which is, you know, what's Morgana's role in the family? And, you know, what would have happened in the future if Morgana and Drake stayed together, would they eventually have gotten married? Would there be some kind of a domestic setup? So I do think it's interesting that the comic is actually exploring that. Mm -hmm. But also, I was afraid when I read this that people might get the impression that the writer is trying to kick Launchpad out and replace him with Morgana. But I think the actual narrative here is that Drake is trying to force a normal life on everybody around him. And the more he does that, the more chaotic it gets because it's just not him and it's just not them. Because Launchpad has always been a part of the family and he always will be. Like, he doesn't have to leave, but obviously I guess he has to go find work. Morgana, I always thought... I realized, like, I feel like people don't like the idea of Morgana coming in and disturbing the family dynamic of... Launchpad, Drake, and Goslin. Like, they were the dynamic of the show. And Morgana would show up occasionally for the magic-related stuff. So having her in, I guess, like, a domestic spot could be seen as more unnatural. But I think that's the point of the narrative, which is yeah, that... So Drake is trying to force everyone into this little normal life. And it is kind of interesting that Launchpad is the only one so far that's been like, nah, I'm out. <laughs> I... I Wondering if there's a plot reason for that. Obviously, he got hired by Moloculo, but I'm wondering if there was another reason for that that might... Uh, maybe this is just Launchpad trying to piss off Darkwing so that he goes back to being Darkwing. Think... Who could I work for? Oh, that guy that Darkwing hates. I like to think that most of the people around Darkwing knows that he goes through these stages of big dramatics <laughs> i'm quitting forever yeah exactly and i think they just kind of let it play out until he figures out for himself that it's not going to work out and 
It's like I said, Darkwing is a little weirdo in denial, and he just has not accepted it. It was the same in the show. He had trouble accepting, uh, you know, Malice's restaurant was all about him not being embarrassed by Morgana because she's so strange, and he was trying to act normal in front of the Muddlefoots of all people. <laughs> And the Muddlefoots adored her. And Morgana, mm-hmm. in particular, has always been a character who is unapologetically herself. She doesn't try to change herself for Drake. She doesn't try to be normal. She's just doing her own thing. She was just like, sure, this sounds like fun. She's still making her own food and doing her own thing. Drake is, I don't know, he hasn't figured this out yet that he needs right. to do the she's same. Just, yeah, she's just kind of playing along like she's not fitting into the box or the mold exactly and like she's like oh yeah i could do that but i'm gonna make my spider cookies exactly your uh or rather scorpion cookies i think what the overall narrative is going to be is that darkwing is eventually going to come to terms with the fact that he is both darkwing and drake and his life is always going to be friggin' weird he just needs to roll with it and of course launchpad will come back I personally, like when it comes to the dynamic and disrupting the dynamic of the Mallard family, in the TV show, it was episodic, so they never would have made any extreme changes like that. Outside of that, I think it would work. It's just that Morgana is a businesswoman and she's very busy all the time. And I could see her moving in, but not being around a whole lot. Like she's just doing her own thing. She's not involved with the crime stuff. She's just, she's got her business to run. She's like running the apothecary down the street. She's her own independent person. And I could see her leaving the crime fighting stuff to Launchpad and Drake and just being there for dinner and having a standard relationship, just not having to be involved in every aspect of it and Mm -hmm. only popping into the story when it calls for a relevant magical related thing. So I personally think it could work if written properly. A lot of these dynamics, they can work if they're written a certain way and it can be really tricky to do. So personally, I'd be fine with Morgana being closer to the Mallard family, but I can understand why a lot of people would not because it is a very big change to the whole family dynamic Mm -hmm. and we all know that this is going to implode dramatically and that everything is going to come out exactly you know per per use that's been my takeaway with the narrative like i don't think the writer is trying to get rid of launchpad and i mean I've spoken to Amanda and she's LGBT like I am and she doesn't live a conventional life. I don't live a conventional life either. And I think she knows that like she's completely aware of concept of, for lack of a better word, heteronormativity and the nuclear family and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, like the, the perceived family unit. She's not gonna, I don't know. I mean, one would think that she wouldn't. You're like everybody, everybody, they're in love now and she's going to be a happy housewife. It doesn't seem like that at all. No, and I don't think so either just from talking to Amanda and her enjoyment of Morgana as a character. So I think it's more just this is Drake once again trying to basically fight against fate and of how things are. And as usual, the more he pushes against it, the more it's going to push back harder until things implode. And then he learns his lesson and everything will go relatively back to normal or their version of normal, which is not conventional, essentially. If you had a, a dream vision of how this would end, how would this all wrap up? This specific comic? Like this storyline? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. <sighs> like, what would be the catalyst that would drive Darkwing back to Darkwing? Darkwing? I'll just keep saying it forever. The catalyst for me, it would have to be something really stupid and funny. I don't know why, but I think the more minute the reason, the funnier it would be if he's just like, oh, fine, I guess. Or maybe, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Like, I know that the next issue, issue four, is going to be more about Bushroot because in the description for the next one, they talk about the garden and Bushroot. So my guess is that he's just not going to be able to defeat Bushroot as Drake Mallard. So he's going to resort to being Darkwing and it's going to work. But... I'm trying to think of how I would want it to go, because in the long run, there's ideas of what I would like to see happen with the story, but not that specific part. Do you have any ideas? I think Negato should just show up being completely disgusted and she'd be like, could you just come back (laughs) (laughs) real quick? And just, I miss punching your face. Or if you want a completely stupid catalyst, like, I don't know, Darkwing seems to be pretty popular in this iteration. So there's like a billboard somewhere that has his picture on it and they just start slapping up a, a Gizmoduck I was thing. just going to say, maybe it should be Gizmoduck related. <laughs> like maybe Gizmoduck is, decides that since Darkwing's not fighting anymore, he's going to also take over in St. Canard and he'll be like, excuse me. And then, uh, yeah, Darkwing will pull up a Michael Bluth and just be like, I don't know why, but that's it. I'm I'm back in. Let's do it. <sighs> yeah. Okay. That would be the reason. It would be some petty Gizmoduck related reason. Yep. Or all of his merchandise is in the clearance bin where it belongs. He's like, that's it. Will not suffer this injustice. Or like the where are they now? I'm just coming up with all you know, like the VH1 like where are they now thing that used to and maybe no is VH1 still a thing? I don't know. Darkwing is just like I'm not dead. Screw this. And it comes back. But anyway, yeah, I was just curious. I just really want there to be some negative in here. I know there was like a little picture of him in the little montage you just showed me of Darkwing talking about his um uh, trophy room. There was like a redraw of a scene from Justice Justice Ducks. Everybody facing off. I have a feeling Negaduck is going to show up. I just don't know to what capacity. I know that, hey, the next issue is Bushroot. The issue after that, issue five, was described as Dr. No Good, who's from DuckTales, I'm pretty sure was the head of Fowl in that iteration. And then there's a sixth issue, which we don't know anything about. They haven't released. I think actually they might release the description for it soon. By the time everybody here listens to this... The comic will have been out a little over a week. Issue three, we're recording this a day or two after the comic dropped. But the thing about them releasing the issue so early on with the descriptions is it kind of gives away what's going to happen next a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's just the thing in the comics industry now, like you have to order really far ahead to get your comics. But I would feel like issue six, if it is the last issue, because they haven't said anything about it continuing after that, I would think that they'd want to keep it somewhat of a surprise. I feel like Negaduck is going to show up somewhere. He might be an issue six villain. Or like a cliffhanger. I think the fact that most of the Fearsome Five has shown up already. Yeah, that's why it's weird. It seems like the next logical thing to do is to be plopping some Liquidator in there, unless he's uh, kicking it with Bushroot. I don't know. We'll find out. And his buddettes, buddies, his, his jingle girls. <laughs> his beautiful jingle girls. 
But uh, what are your thoughts overall? Overall, it's uh, pretty good. I do love Meme Morgana, so she seems pretty solid across the board. Not like, you know, super crazy like she is in some episodes, so that's nice. A little off-kilter with Goslin not being super into everything, but that I understand that too, because I guess this is a Goslin rebelling against the normal life that's being shoved down her throat, and even just kind of like making the most interesting person that she knows, I guess, broad stroke, but... In my opinion, Morgana is probably the most fascinating person that comes and hangs out and like tolerates Drake long enough to be in multiple episodes, you know, that he's trying to force her into that mold too. So that could be a source of her frustration and like, ah, this isn't special anymore. This is just painted with a domestic brush now. But yeah, I'm uh, interested to see why Bushroot is destroying a school, I guess, just in search of anyone with a green thumb. It's like he just seems to be collecting gardeners. Is he planting them in the ground? Like, is that his garden? Earl, naked, just like buried in the dirt. So he's naked from like the waist up, just hanging out in the flower bed as a tree waters him. We'll find out. <laughs> next time we do a comic episode, which is not actually next time. Or is it? I don't know. Next episode, we will probably be discussing our new wheel. Mm-hmm. And then it'll probably be time for a comic again. Yes. I've been mulling this over since I read this issue. So back in ye old days, I'm going to say like 10, 15 years ago when the Boom comics came out. Oh my god, when did they come out? 2010. <gasps> oh, oh, 13 so, years. I don't like to think about how long ago that was. I was a little more strict on characterization and storylines and making it make sense and all that stuff. And we already covered Dangerous Currency, the crossover, which I feel I was a little less than charitable towards because there was a lot of inconsistencies and I, I just didn't like it a whole lot. So I almost feel like a hypocrite for saying that I enjoy this version of the comics even though it isn't fully uh in line with the canon but the more i think about it and the more i think about tad stones and i think it was actually what maybe changed my mind was the ducktales reboot because seeing them take all this you know beloved childhood stuff and do their own spin on it and have it still be good in my opinion made me realize that you don't need to actually stick completely 100% to the way things are, as long as it's fun and interesting, mm -hmm. basically. So I find that I've become a little more lax when it comes to stuff that's a little inconsistent, because my big issue with Dangerous Currency wasn't just that it was inconsistent, it's that it wasn't very interesting or funny or appealing to me. Like the entire story for that was just... I don't know, there was nothing in it that I enjoyed a whole lot in terms of where the plot went and the dialogue and the characters and stuff like that. And I think that's part of the reason. Whereas this one, it's not 100% in line with how I think the series would do things. But I'm finding it interesting. I would love to see Launchpad working for Moloculo. Like, I think that's just so random and I never would have thought of that, but I like it. And just, you know, the idea of Drake trying to drag Morgana into all this nonsense and she's just kind of going along with it. And 
it's all tying back into, you know, the concept of what if we explored what happened if Morgana actually did become a part of the family, that sort of thing. So I think that's the difference for me between dangerous currency and something like this, where it's not 100% in line with, you know, the consistency, like Drake was never an inventor, but that doesn't really bother me a whole lot. It's just like, okay, that's fine. Like, it's not a big thing. And Goslin being kind of, like you said, not particularly thrilled about Morgana, it is almost like the fact that it's being forced on her. Suddenly it's something she doesn't like because it is painted with a domestic brush. And it's also just like in the grand scheme of things, not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I, I liked how Morgana was written in this overall. Her characterization, I think, is pretty good. I feel like She's really difficult to do because, in my opinion, I think the problem with Morgana is that people are afraid to give her, like, in the cartoon, she could be really crazy, essentially. Like, she was really hysteric. She could get kind of violent. And when they brought her into, you know, the Boom and the Joe comics, I almost feel like they were afraid to let her have too much of that personality like they tried to balance her out but then in a way they kind of defanged her because she Mm -hmm. was she was a little too i don't know how to describe it like she was a little too well behaved she wasn't allowed to have any kind of negative traits and i was thinking back to because coincidentally like i said that tad stone's interview he actually talks about this with goslin in the interview he said that when he was creating the characters he says that he found female characters weren't to have any negative traits because they just have these certain standards for women in fiction where I don't know male characters can do a whole lot of stuff and they can be tremendous dicks like Drake but when you transfer that stuff over to the female characters it tends to not fly as well so Tad brings it up with Goslin and he says you know the fact that Goslin wasn't very smart in school she didn't do well she got in trouble a lot he did that on purpose because a lot of female characters at that time were not like that. Mm -hmm. So bringing it back to Morgana, I don't think she needs to fly off the handle and be super aggressive or anything, but I don't think the writer should be afraid to let her be a little spicy sometimes, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I could write a friggin' essay about Morgana Macabre characterization. Do it and then read it to me next week. Oh, God. It would just go on forever. <laughs> Fine. I'm here for it. Um, <laughs> In our next episode, our next three-hour episode about <laughs> our feelings about Morgana. And then I'll write my response and that'll be another three hours. So I think she's pretty... She's good in this. I think Amanda gave her a little more of the mysterious allure. I feel like, especially at the beginning, when she thinks Drake's proposing and then she drops him and walks away, that had kind of the vibe of the cartoon a bit, where she's she's mm-hmm. like that. So she had some of that. I would say she's a little docile during the suburban stuff. She's just kind of going along with it. But at the same time, she isn't agreeable when Drake and Goslin decide to eat cereal, she's like, okay, fine, have your cereal, but I'm going to go work on these cookies. So she's not, you know, giving into it per se. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking forward to the next issue to see where this goes, because I assume that Morgana and Drake... <sighs> oh, what if... What if Morgana saves the day and then she's like the new hero and that's what makes Drake go crazy? I could see that. I think anybody saving the day, too. 
her Butterfoot stepping in and saving the day. Yeah, we had a really good streak with this comic series. I'm sorry <laughs> that we can't read anymore because Herb wasn't in this episode. Um, or this issue. I keep calling them episodes. But to kind of touch, you know, to, to backpedal a little bit, we were talking about with the differences between um, this comic and the, the Boom Studios comic, too. The Boom Studios comic was very involved it was very like layers of story and they wanted to have this big sweeping story and there's characters crammed in all over the place and this one is just basically like this one feels like it's for kids which is what the show is for and like there's a few things like you know morgana being like oh where the cave (laughs) but like it's it's very much kind of in the same vein as the show where i don't think that the boom comics carried that level of kid friendly i guess Mm -hmm. but yeah it's it's different and you know i don't want to keep seeing the same thing like variety is is fine it's good. And I've been pleased with the Muddlefoot representation, so I might be biased. But how you got Puddin' Honker? Who doesn't love a Puddin' Honker? Do you know what I want to see an issue for? Drake walking into the kitchen and Binky and Morgana are just having coffee together and they've become the best of friends and they are like, let's go on a double date. <laughs> that's, that's actually the last straw for Drake. <laughs> Herb comes over, does like a quacker bear party in the, the living room. I could see Morgana doing evil multi-level marketing thing, like her own thing. Be like, dang it, it's evil again. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, curious to see where it goes. And if Honker ever unputtings. <laughs> and uh, I wonder how well Moloculo is paying Launchpad. Probably nothing at all. But then again, I don't know if Drake ever paid Launchpad either. Mm, that is true. That is true. That beanie baby money. <laughs> Okie dokie. So thank you for reading me another comic book. You're welcome. It was good. There was sadly no Mr. Banana Brain voices in this. But maybe we'll see him again and you can do a beautiful Mr. Banana Brain for me. Um, but until next time... Dear listeners, dear friends, dear cohorts and accomplices, uh, remember that crime doesn't sleep, but neither do we. 35-ish. 35-ish. <laughs>